Watch, listening to this guy's acapella renditions of a lot of the Undertale soundtrack. Oh yeah, Smooth McGroove is his name. He's a he does some some excellent work. Now I need to go back and look this guy up and start listening to his stuff. I like acapella on occasion, although it gets a little old after a while. So like I, I like listening to it in short bursts. Well, it's not like acapella music. It's the Undertale music and everything is a, a, is vocal mm. instead of 8-bit computer. Oh, sure. Interesting. How it's does... really, really good. Now I'm curious. That would be a thing to look up after the podcast. Mm-hmm. After Le Pod. Um, the freaking pod. <laughs> <laughs> the flipping cast. The uh, flopping. I don't even know Where's where to follow that up. That's the the two syllables of that word have been. We we've exhausted everything we had to use. Yeah. Cod pass. The cod pass. The Comcast. <laughs> the Capcom. Yeah, we don't want to get sued now. No. No. Um, so how are you settling in to uh, another? The- Another week. semester of the seminary. Well, we are currently in what's called J term. Uh, so which is just term. No, it's <laughs> January term. Okay, actually, that, make, that makes more sense. And for most people, it's like a zero effort, no homework, just kind of casual getting back into a thing. Sure. For our class, we actually have a thing that's for credit, so I actually have to do work. Aw, what's up with that? It's pretty lame, I know. Is this something where, like, as you get further into your studies, J-term becomes more restful, or...? Well, that's what it is for literally everyone, but first, philosophy. Ah, you gotta earn your stripes a little bit. Yeah. Gotta earn that rest in J-term. Yeah, so, there's no homework for most of it, though. Hmm. Okay. It's pretty minimal, anyway. Despite well, because f- it's it's not that long, is it? It's like three weeks, three four weeks. Two, it's only two. Okay. Mm-hmm. Some places do a longer one, like a month, but mm-hmm. ours is only two weeks. And is that something only major seminary does, or does or do all? It, it's a college thing. Some like that's why I thought normal I- normal colleges will do a J term, but. Mm. Ours just happens to be like to get you out of your winter break laziness and back uh, into the yep. schedule of things. Yep. That was uh, at work. My Christmas break laziness was enabled rather than broken off 
for the first week back because I had to work the week between Christmas and New Year's, which was a short week and there was nobody there and no work to do practically. Mm. So I just sort of twiddled my thumbs for like four days and then went back for a short break for New Year's. But um, things have picked up a bit since then. Uh, a few more projects, a big a big meeting, which I may have referenced last week. I forget, but it's, uh, it's getting more back into the swing of things. I'm, uh, caught up on my podcasts that I missed over the break and so forth. So yeah, we had, uh, a little bit of a mishap, but nothing that big with, uh, the podcast last week, apparently upload. We love our two listeners so much. We uploaded one for each of you, one for each of them. (laughs) Yes. One version twice um i think which i promptly deleted yeah and now everything is back to the way it was supposed to be yes um i i might have just like i like accidentally double clicked the button i don't know i don't know but little little details nathan how goes uh first week back at school this has been my first week back at school and uh, it's been a lot of syllabus reading and a lot of reviewing Circuits 1 because mm. pretty much everything builds on that because, well, for one thing, I'm taking Circuits 2, but also, you know, uh, Electronics 1 and 2 and uh, all, 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 all the other electrical engineering stuff. Turns out Circuits are important. And With also electricity, that's the reason. Knowing the Kirchhoff loop and current and voltage laws is also important, so... Um, it's all like fundamental stuff that was really drilled into me in circuits one, so mm. it's it's gonna go smooth. And you're starting your senior design cycle this right. semester, right? Yes, I yeah. am. So I had my first design one meeting class today, actually. Nice. So we talked about uh, the projects. We talked about how that was gonna the timeline of things and how to document things. And it'll be a tough class. It'll be just like I have to actually. Do the thing, and some of it I don't do feel qualified thing. for yet, but I probably won't feel qualified for it until I do it, and then I'll have done it. So. You should just be like the Vizzini of the group, driving everybody to do stuff. I mean... Do the thing! And, and that other thing! thing. <laughs> do it! So yeah, that's so far my uh, been my back-at-college experience, which has mm-hmm. literally just been like three days. So Yeah. Um... That's about all I have to say about that. That's all <laughs> there is to say about that. I, I really need to get out of this cycle of coming up with analogies for the way my job feels, although it's helpful in some ways. How would um, you describe this cycle? What is it like? What can of it be like? like of being like of just having like a normal chill day at work, and then the next day things are kind of chaotic, and so you come up with all sorts of salty analogies for the way you feel. Um, like, for example, the analogy I came up with today was like, imagine if you had a gas pedal and you brought a roadmap and then the other person has the steering wheel and the brake pedal and doesn't believe the map that you're using. That's kind of what my job feels like right now. But I've had worse. It's I like to complain a lot if that wasn't clear to people who, A, don't know me, B, listen to this podcast i don't i haven't complained a ton on the podcast well we tend to talk about things that we like that's true because we 
I mean, why talk about a bad example of things? I mean, we well, have. I mean, we While have, talking about like, the example we like. Exactly. It's like par- comparison and contrast. The two that come to mind were the Star Wars episode and the, the Aragon. Hobbit episode and the Aragon. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like we talk about the things we don't like be- because they relate to the things we like. Mm-hmm. We've never like sat down and did an episode on a this movie or thing This is what is wrong like. with this thing. Like, we wouldn't do an episode on the Robin Hood movie Mike no. made us watch. The oh, yeah. oh, gosh. It was a mess. Oh, that that uh, uh, that that most recent one that came out with the, the Kingsman guy. Oh, is it Taron Egerton, I think his name is? I mean, the DVDs and the thing. All oh, yeah. And Michael J. Fox, I think. It, uh, yeah, Taron Egerton and Jamie Foxx. Yep. Not Michael J. Oh, yeah, Jamie Foxx, the other Fox. Not I was going to say, yeah. Anyway, um, it. I was thinking about this today. I wanted to like it, but I just couldn't. I gave it every chance to be likable. Yeah, it just it's persisted like, in its unlikability. Let's pretend this is a comic book movie, even though there has, to my knowledge, never been a Robin. Oh, Hood. there there have been Robin Hood comic books, but there. This isn't this have. isn't based on any of them, to my knowledge. Not that I'm aware of. It's just like, what if we took Robin Hood? in name only mm-hmm. and then made a crusade bad church bad movie uh, with this guy and it was just there were multiple moments where where it was just like what on earth are those people wearing is that supposed <laughs> to be vestments because that's literally just a, a, a jacket like i could go to walmart and get that jacket yeah why is he straight up wearing a hoodie i don't understand this yeah like like uh like somebody watched an episode of the CW's Green Arrow, and it's like, you know what? Let's make him British, and pseudo medieval times it, and call it a day. And let's just have Maiden Marion wear like a motorcycle jacket while we're at it too, because <laughs> that makes sense. They totally had that. That, kind of that was women's fashion in the w- w- however teen hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I so yeah, know. there we go. There's there's our there's our. That's as that's as far into Robin Hood as we're getting on this podcast. So we we, we wouldn't do an episode. I mean, we could do an episode on. It would have other to be Robin on kind of like what like we did for Sherlock Holmes, where we talked about the different depictions of Robin Hood, because it's a similar sort of deal where he's been depicted in multiple ways over mm-hmm. the years. But can't really recommend that movie. Like and it was shot interestingly, but it was just sort of like mediocre action movie. And that's the thing. Robin Hood isn't even an action story. It's an adventure no. story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I feel like in film, the adventure genre has been just consumed by its younger brother, the action film. Let's make Robin Hood Batman. Pretty much. With with a, with a uh, Ottoman Alfred. Speaking of Ottoman Alfred... <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about Turkish Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard the one about Ottoman Alfred? <laughs> uh, uh, ba- no. Batman trips over the, the Ottoman oh, and he yeah. yells for Alfred. <laughs> like, uh, another thing that didn't make a ton of sense to me. Or, or no, I was... Okay. I have a degree in advertising. And most advertising practices employed by church or church affiliated organizations is beyond me so why 
are there always like vocations posters in bathrooms? Because they know that the wall opposite the toilet is where they know they'll get a specific gender looking at a wall. Yes, but is that the best? I mean, yeah, you have a captive audience in a way. So like, while I'm doing my business, and also you have a targeted audience. You put the nuns in the women's restroom, and you put the priests in the men's restroom. Yes, and this is and actually what it, happens. And the only reason I I've know cleaned this, a bathroom at a Newman Center right, multiple times. Same. I am well aware of this practice. Yes, and every other men's bathroom I've been to in other churches that I didn't clean, um, always had like these posters and stuff too. I'm just like, okay, that's great. So one would only assume that similarly, all the women's restrooms also have the mm-hmm. uh, the nun posters, in, in addition to the little little natural family planning cards. Yeah. As a kid, I was always like, "What? What is? What's all this about?" And then I was an adult, like, still, why? <laughs> well, it's in the bathroom. You were yeah, just yeah, but very, very close to yeah. that involved things. <laughs> I hope not. Uh, well, uh, I'm <laughs> anyway. You, you 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 get the point out there in, in listener land. I yeah, I am pretty sure you get the point. Yeah. I I'm confused as to that practice. <laughs> um, I hope all of our seminarian friends are happy that they are all over the men's. Is that is that like is that like one of the incentives they give? It's like <laughs> you'll be famous and every your face will be on every church bathroom all the way through the diocese. Yeah, maybe that's, that's why I signed up to do this. <laughs> so and maybe so Riley, the neighboring diocese, tell, if you're lucky. Riley, tell us about the time you went into the bathroom, saw that poster, and was like, "Man, I got to be a priest." Yeah, what are the that impressions made, it takes for vocation? Like, what's the measurement here? Like, how many? How many bathroom wall viewings does it take before we get a vocation? I'm, I want to see the data on this. <laughs> What's the data? So we can start this? optimizing What's it. Maybe we need to have more posters, walls. or maybe just the whole bathroom wall needs to be a poster <laughs> for the vocation. In absolute fairness, like I felt like I recognized a lot of the Fargo seminarians before I met them because yeah. of that poster. Right, right. Sure. It was just like, oh, I know that guy. So <laughs> it was. It did what it was probably trying to do true that is to like make sure you know who the seminarians are so you recognize them and you see them right mm-hmm. but it's still just weird yeah it's a little weird and i'm like who's whose idea got this started like how did this become popular because almost every church bathroom i've been to has something like that in there so where's the Pope's? It's like who's the person who's like on, on oh, advertising? We really need, for... We're struggling for priests. How do we improve vocations? Just like in the you know the chancery meeting room or whatever. It's like, well, uh, let's make. How about we make posters of the seminarian so we can show? Hey, these are guys like you. Okay, cool. Um, what do you think would be the best like placement? Where's everybody going to see it? The bathroom. I mean, everybody goes to the bathroom, right? Uh, yeah. You know what? I like it. Let's do it. It must have been some meeting like that, and then like, oh hey, these people are are at their chance. The I next went to the, I went over to the is like, hey, these guys are getting a lot of priests, and they they're sticking vocation posters in their bathrooms. I think we need to get on this hype train. <laughs> but was there that correlation, or did like a visiting uh, parishioner show up and like, oh, they have that in the bathroom? <laughs> That's a great place to put. <laughs> Vocations director is washing his hands, looks up, and is like. 
can't have this. We got we got to get with the competition, boys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going way too far into this. What what uh, uh, you know? Screw the segue. Speaking We're the Palladian Papists. I'm James. I'm Nathan, and I'm Riley. Um. Oh, I suppose this is related. Speaking of vocations, we're talking about the sound of music today. Uh, great. Missed opportunities. Well, well semi-missed opportunities. Uh, retroactive say. opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> I came up with that. We I came up with that while Nathan was making dinner, and I forgot to use it. Uh, sort of. Anyway, so, excuse me, the sound of music um we're going i think this is like we haven't really done any older films yet have we i mean nothing really earlier than the 80s yeah so this is kind of a classic widely considered a classic it uh, originally came out in 1965 um so if if we were sitting next to isaac he'd name the beatles year the album that came out that year likely It's just like anytime you get into the 60s and talk about a 60s year, Isaac's like, oh, this Beatles album came out that year. That's my younger mm-hmm. brother for all two of you listening, by the way, who don't know him. Yeah, which there sorry, might be. Sorry for the interruption. Um, so uh, it takes place. It's set in uh, Austria, uh, the area like Salzburg, Austria, in the late 1930s. Um, so you open up. Uh, the movie with uh, Maria, who is played by Julie Andrews. Um, I think this was not long after Mary Poppins was made. That I think this came Mary out. Poppins was her breakout role. Yeah. And then she got this. Mm-hmm. Um, so she is up in the mountains enjoying God's creation and singing a happy song. Here's the bells for Vespers, I think. It's like, oh, shoot, I'm going to be late. Um. So essentially, her deal is she is a bit of a misfit at the convent. The sisters don't really know what to do with each other. And the wise old abbess kind of determines that, you know, maybe she needs to spend some time out in the world to, so she can properly discern if she's really called to be a nun. Because Maria isn't a nun yet. No, she's, she's like, a, like a novice. Right? A novice? Or she hasn't taken vows yet. She She's like a postulant oh. or something like that. So she's like, maybe before she commits to being a a nun and takes her vows she should get out in the world a bit and uh experience experience life on the outside so she can truly determine if this is indeed her vocation so they send her to be a governess for a family um is the widower uh captain von trapp and his seven kids um he the, the kids when she gets there she realizes that like the captain kind of raises his kids with like strict military like discipline and so they he gives them like he presents them like in mar- like in marching orders and they wear like vaguely military-esque uniforms and stuff like they're at a private school or something or on a ship because he was like a naval captain back in the day um and he yeah he's he's raised the kids um the only way he's known how since his wife died um and so the seven kids um, had been kind of mean to the other governesses that had come before her, and they they had all quit. Um, and Maria comes to realize that the reason why the kids are behaving this way and like trying to get attention and 
being mean to their governesses is because they just want to be loved and be given attention and affection. And so she, through patience and kindness, kind of gradually wins them over and teaches them how to have fun and how to sing and different things like this. Um, this is all unbeknownst to Captain Von Trapp, who's very much sort of um, no nonsense, a no nonsense guy. Yeah. Uh, he goes off to, on a trip to Vienna to meet this Baroness lady that he's kind of sort of dating, and uh, and while he's gone, she's teaching them all this stuff. And when he comes back, he catches them out and about having fun, and he's like, "What's with this?" And so. Um, he comes back with the Baroness so she can meet his family. And, and so he gets all mad at um, Maria for breaking the rules and teaching his kids uh, how to be wild and irresponsible in his view. So he's like, all right, get on back to the convent, you. But then as he goes inside, he comes across the kids singing a song that Maria had taught them to the Baroness as like a welcoming sort of gift. And seeing this, his heart is kind of softened. And he realizes this is a song he knows. And so he starts singing with the kids. And in this really kind of neat moment, he sort of like realizes, because before before he had like dismissed Maria, she was like, you know, your kids just want to be loved by you. Why don't you just be a proper father to them and be more affectionate? Um, and so he has sort of like this change of heart and starts singing with the kids. for the. He hasn't sung music basically since his wife died. And so there's this real uh, family bonding moment. And then, with this change of heart, he's like, all right, Maria, you can you can stay with us as a governess. Um, over time, um, even though he's dating this Baroness lady, he and Maria start to realize they have feelings for each other. Um, uh, and then the Baroness sort of sniffs this out and is like kind of jealous. And she's like, yeah, Maria, maybe you should go back to the convent. And so Maria is kind of scared and like doesn't quite know what to make of her feelings so she agrees and then goes back to the convent um and then the abbess finds out that maria had been running away from her feelings for captain von trapp and was like you know i think i don't think your place is here at the uh convent i think you should go back to him and so she does and uh captain and the time she's been gone his feelings haven't changed for her so he breaks things off with the baroness and then the two, uh, Maria and Captain Von Trapp, get married. Um, so over their honeymoon, now this is the late 1930s, and for those of you who don't know, um, it's when it was called the Anschluss, or the annexation of Austria by Nazi Germany in the late 1930s. So basically, yeah, Austria was, it wasn't conquered per se, it was just sort of militarily annexed by Germany. Like not long before World War Two. While um, while they're gone on their honeymoon, all this is going on, and the a family friend knew how talented the kids were at singing and stuff. You know the Von Trapp family singers, and uh, he entered them into this local music festival without the dad's permission. And then he comes back. He's like, "Why'd you do this?" Another thing about the dad, too, is that since he had been a Navy captain back in the day for Austria, um, the German Navy is trying, recruiting him really hard to be in the German Navy to sail U-boats and stuff. Um, captain Von Trapp is very patriotic Austrian. He's anti-Nazi. He's really opposed to them taking over Austria. So he's like, 
all right, well, they're going to keep coming for me until I obey, so and join the German Navy and make me do things I don't believe in, so we need to get out of the country. But the kids are committed to this music festival thing. So they do this last musical number, which is sort of, um, I, I think it was written for this for this movie, but it's sort of played off as like this traditional Austrian folk song that is sort of like a screw you to the Nazis, like we still love our country kind of a thing. And then they sneak out of the music festival and, and um, on their way out of the country, they hide at the abbey that Maria had gone to and the nuns, because um, they still love you know Maria and her family and stuff. So they hide them and then um, sabotage like the Germans' vehicles as they come looking for them so to help them get, get away. And the family escapes the country and uh, they're free. So that's essentially what happens in The Sound of Music. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, a, there's a couple other things too, like one of the ways that, uh, one of like the subplots, I guess, is like the oldest daughter is in love with this Austrian kid who is, uh, his name is Rolf or whatever, who's sort of pro-Nazi. Um, but uh, boy. What's that? Does he tell Ed Boy to do certain things? Not quite. Nobody is getting my Ed, Ed, and Eddie reference here. I haven't seen Ed, Ed, and Eddie since I was like in first or second grade. Um, I haven't seen Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Oh, there you go. I haven't seen. Anyway, (laughs) we're not doing that (laughs) on the show right now. Um, So yeah, anyway, so she's in love with this Rolf kid. But then he becomes a full-on, like, brown shirt. And so the dad's like, that's enough of that. But, um, and so it illustrates, like, early on in the movie, he's like, that kid's a freaking Nazi. And and then um, and then over time, though, he like, since he's had, like, this change of heart with his family, he's like, you know, you don't, it, like, um, Ralph sort of happens upon them while they're hiding at the convent. And he sort of takes... Um, takes the kid aside he's like look you're just a kid you don't belong with these people like why don't you run away with us um and the kid sort of has like a kylo ren moment minus it's being his own dad and is like sort of on the verge of doing it but then he you know sticks with his brown shirt friends and tries to rat them out but that's like really the main subplot of the movie mm-hmm. but um one of the main things about this uh, the movie's a musical right so you have Mm -hmm. classic songs um like uh i think the first one like the uh do do re mi song yeah the um let's see that's like one of the big musical numbers and then the hills are alive alive with the sound of music how do you solve a problem like maria how do you solve a problem like maria and then uh let's see what's another edelweiss Mm -hmm. is uh the so- is like sort of the Austrian song, um, and then uh, there's a couple more that are oh uh, my favorite the favorite things song that's often on like Christmas albums oh yeah for that some one's reason from there, isn't it I think that is front that was made for the movie yeah it was uh, uh just like the you are sixteen going on seventeen oh, you yep. are seventeen blah, that one the love song mm-hmm. only seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. So there's, so there's a, just a lot of music in it. 
Yeah, a lot of music. As you would guess from a name like the sound of music, you mm-hmm. might hear you that would assume sound. there'd be music. And musicals were kind of all their age back in the day. Because this is coming this out around the same time. Was first, or was it a made f- to be a movie musical? Well, the Von Trapps were a real family. Um, and so it's like based on a true story a bit. It's like an adaptation of like a German version of the movie that came out hmm. um, that initially told the story. And then like this was made for American audiences. They changed a little bit about like the uh, Von Trapp family to make the movie more interesting. Like um, I think like because like Mr. Von Trapp wasn't really sort of like a stiff cold stodgy sure. dad it, it was, was more to make the the transition more interesting as well yeah sure. yeah and then uh maria and uh captain von traps uh, i think his name is Georg, uh, georg or however you would say that george it's austrian spelling something like that anyway george Ludwig or something like that i looked this up earlier and uh they their marriage was like she had decided not to go to the convent Sure. And so she's like, well, the next best thing would be for us to get married. So it's more of a marriage of convenience. But over time, she said she did fall in love with him. Sure. And they were able to have some kids of their own on top of his kids from his previous marriage before his wife died. So that's kind of like the true story behind that. And so they, the timeline was condensed for the yeah, sake of a movie. Condensed. And they had actually been married for like 10 years before the Nazis took over Austria sure. and they escaped. And apparently, instead of like this dramatic escape during a concert, they just got on a train and went to Italy. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's that. And then eventually ended up in the United States. Um, <clears throat> I actually happened across a couple weeks ago a video of uh, Julie Andrews at some sort of like TV show with the actual um, Maria von Trapp talking to her. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I thought that was really cool um let's see but yeah so the movie some of the interesting things about um the story that i'd like to highlight is sort of like the movie's treatment of vocation it doesn't really call it that in name but you have maria who really wants to be a nun but things aren't quite working out she's not completely fitting in at the beginning of the movie and so the character the wise old abbess is like one of my favorite characters in the movie where she's uh, the other nuns are singing their musical number about how they're kind of annoyed with Maria. They love her a lot, but she's just not. It's just she's just difficult for them to deal with. Um, and all the while, the abbess is like kind of telling them like, "Hey, be patient with her," you know. Uh, but then she also has like the insight and the wisdom to see like Maria's vocation isn't really with the nuns it's more like the married life and so over time she just gradually like guides her pastorally as like the abbess the leader of the convent mm-hmm. to see that so i thought that was a really really cool um expression of that and another thing too like like sort of the midway point of the movie when when maria's like kind of scared like she hadn't expected to fall for captain von trapp so she kind of runs back to the convent because she thought that, you know, being a governess was going to be a temporary thing. And then she'd be allowed to come back to the convent and whatnot. And so she's like, all right, well, I want to do my vows now. And then the kids actually, because they miss Maria so much, go and try to visit her at the convent. And then they get a message to the abbess 
and she sort of was like, oh, so she has, Maria ha- actually has the opportunity to like marry this guy and form a loving family. Like mm-hmm. this is clearly her vocation. And so helps Maria notice that. Another, um, that's like a musical number that sort of punctuates this scene is like uh, very much like telling her, don't be afraid, go out and embrace who you are and this is your vocation. So it's like ford every mountain, cross every stream, or no, uh, climb every mountain, ford every stream, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's very- you achieve your dream or whatever. Yep. Yeah. So I thought, I thought that was, I I mean, even though I watched this a bunch as a kid, I I still think that's like a really cool way to kind of, to kind of explore that, catholic notion of vocation um right she started out dead set on doing one thing and she was trying it out and it mm -hmm. really didn't work she wasn't at peace she wasn't feeling like herself you know she Mm -hmm. so that wasn't the place where she was supposed to be Mm -hmm. but through spiritual direction through all that stuff she's Mm -hmm. guided to a place where she really can do some good and fits in and that's where where she's supposed to be Mm -hmm. it's cool stuff um riley have you seen sound of music i have not no uh it has been a long time since i've seen it i've seen it a lot as like a kid we had right same a great big two vhs's and one yeah. sleeve for it <laughs> see when endgame came out people were like dang it's gonna be almost three hours long it's like dude there's a lot of classic old movies that we watched homeschoolers like to watch old movies for some reason <laughs> And we watched a lot, and it was like, dude, that's like three, four-hour movies were like a totally normal thing back in the day. I mean, we grew up with Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Like the extended editions. Yeah. Those border four hours. Yeah. So it's just sometimes uh, movies are just a little more slow burning, and that's a a perfectly good thing. I think that's something that's lost um, the modern generation and Mm -hmm. the modern movies in general. They don't like to take their time. No. That's I mean you could probably you could say that's probably a lot to do with like the attention span of people has really dropped over the years. That's an often cited. But also I think directors and creators have maybe kind of lost that ability to like to slow down and soak some slow stuff down and, and explore off. things in a way that can be justified taking that long. Mm-hmm. Um because even though like this is a kind of a long movie, it doesn't there's not really any parts of the movie that feel like boring or tacked on because there's everything everything's that's happening is yeah everything's everything has has a purpose mm-hmm. like and in real life these sorts of things take time so yeah. it kind of reflects the the mood and yeah. I, I suppose part of the runtime is due to like the musical numbers but uh and it's good music so that might be yeah the, it's good music julie andrews andrews is a beautiful singer like, yeah really really good stuff it's sort of structured differently from like modern movies too, in that like there's sort of a midway point through the movie. There's sort of like a, a designed part. intermission almost. There is an actual designed intermission in this movie. <laughs> there's like uh, they they at least on the DVD that we had. There's like the there's like sort of this montage while they play music from the movie, and it's like this is the intermission. <laughs> well, that's very typical of like a stage musical. Mm-hmm that's part of the format is to have a intermission mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep um let's see and so like bef- just prior to the intermission is like the point where like they they get married and it's like this very triumphal moment and so you have like the nuns singing like uh how do you solve a problem like maria and it's like 
the refrain as in it's like it's a this is how you solve the problem like marie yeah it's it's very much like a triumphant sort of turn or take on the song which is something yeah. musicals do to tell a story. They'll, they'll establish yes. a theme and then bring it back later and say, this is the conclusion of that theme. This is where mm-hmm. we, we brought it's it. It's called a reprisal. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's called a reprisal. Yeah. Uh, I guess some of the lyrics... Um, that's the other thing about this, the music, too, is it, 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 it's not just a song that happens and it sort of expresses something about the story. It helps tell the story. Again, this, that this. is what musicals do. Mm-hmm. The I think there's like a quote where it's like, when a character fe- feels an emotion too big to speak, they sing. Mm-hmm. And when they feel emotion too big to sing, they dance. That's like how you express uh, the story and the character and the emotion in a musical. That is how it's formatted. Mm-hmm. So it's like not only does the um, do, do the songs and the lyrics highlight the moment, but they also progress the moment and progress the character because mm-hmm. uh, that's how that's formatted. That's the yeah. whole point. That's and that's something that uh, that's something that this movie and a lot of older musicals do really well. Um, yeah, let's see. Speaking, I guess as long as we're on the topic of music, something that struck me in your recap of the uh, synopsis is the turning point for the father, mm. where. Uh, it's her teaching the kids music that really is the the, the thing that brings them together in the end, mm-hmm. uh, which resonated with me given my family scenario and how mm-hmm. we all play music and that's how we connect intergenerationally and such. It's just like music is a very human thing. Yeah. We, we connect to it on a very deeply ingrained level. And so sharing music with somebody else, it's a very kind of profound heart to heart. Mm-hmm. So having that moment for the father be when he recognizes the song and joins them and they join with him. And it's this, we're coming together in unity. That's why we sing at mass or why we're supposed to sing at mass anyway. Mm-hmm. It's this coming together and joining in that way. Oh, it's, it's, yeah. It's good. And so I, having the theme of music and of course it's the Von Trapp family mm-hmm. singers. So that's also part of why it's a musical because of just their real life musical thing they did. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think probably my favorite song from the movie is probably Edelweiss. Um, that's mm-hmm. sort of Captain Von Trapp's song too. Like they make it into his theme. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like once he like sings with the kids, they're singing like the Sound of Music or whatever, and so he joins them in that. And then the kids are like, "Why don't you sing us a song, Dad?" And so he sings Edelweiss, which sort of represents his love for his country of Austria. Now Edelweiss is a flower that i believe only grows like high up in the mountains like in the alps so um and it's sort of i believe it is sort of culturally is like a germanic countries like a um, symbol um but uh the song does a really good job of like conveying um captain von trapp's like love for his country and sort of like a sort of wistfulness Especially because that's the song they sing as like their final musical number before they like take off and try to escape the country mm-hmm. is like sort of um, Captain Von Trapp offering encouragement to his people as they're about to endure a Nazi occupation for the next like five, six years. No, wait, 1938. So it would have been like, like seven, eight years, something like that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That always kind of resonated with me. 
Um, yeah. I guess. Uh, what are or are there any other like things you liked about the film, Nathan? Again, it's been a while since I last right, saw it. Right, right. And that uh, the music point only occurred to me during your rereading of it. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, that, that that's what there is to like about the movie for the most part. Yeah. It's the, the good music and the good characters. The characters are mm-hmm. like. The kids are great. They're fun. Oh, yeah. There's like that little musical number where they're, 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 um, the dad's throwing like a ball or whatever. And so the kids are being sent to bed. But then they do like this little musical so number. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Oh, just, right. And isn't that the last one they do? As they like one by one leave oh, the they stage, yeah, yeah. they get in the car the and kids, they drive. Yeah. That was what it was. Or they did that and then they did Edelweiss and then like, it was supposed to be just the dad doing his solo, but then he sort of chokes up and can't mm-hmm. finish. And then the kids come okay. back on the okay. stage and help him finish it. And then the, the crowd sings it with them too and stuff. But, uh, so, yeah, yeah, the the kids are great. Um, especially like kind of early on in the movie, they're sort of razzing, um, they're sort of razzing Maria a bit. But, but she, uh, she's, she can give it right back to them. <laughs> mm-hmm. That and then she kind of finds a way to like get through to them and they right. sort of open up to her as she like treats them with kindness and like kind of awakens in them their talents and sort of uh, like because they're all like really good singers. And so she kind of draws that out of them and teaches them to have fun and be kids, really. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, yes. Yes. I suppose we can go into the transcendental qualities of this film. We can. That is a thing we can do. Truth. What sort of truths can we find in this movie besides the fact that my favorite gif of all time (laughs) is uh, somebody somewhere. There's like at the opening shot of Sound of Music, there's Julie Andrews. Like she's in this like the mountain field, just sort of spinning around with her arms wide open just kind of taking in the beauty of nature and somebody <laughs> edited in she's all like, like <laughs> spinning firing a couple of machine guns and it's just for whatever reason my favorite thing <laughs> the other thing that scene reminds me of is the movie the sixth sense hmm. there's a scene like really random but there's a scene in that movie where uh um uh what's his name bald guy I can't remember the Bruce name. Willis. Bruce Willis. Where Bruce Willis's character is watching like old wedding tapes of him and his wife because he feels very disconnected from her at this point in their, in their marriage. Mm-hmm. And there's like this one bridesmaid. They're like got got the camera on her. And it's like if you don't make her happy, like like Julie Andrews spinning on a mountaintop <laughs> when she's half drunk. That's not what's true about. That's this not movie. what's true about this movie. It's just what that no. scene reminds us. of. <laughs> Um, I think one thing this movie conveys is like your vocation is about all about becoming who you are. And there are things about you that if you have are using proper discernment will sort of lead you in the right direction. If your heart is in the right place, because like at the beginning of the movie, Maria is sort of, she really wants to be a nun and she's driven to like find God's will. But then there are things about her, like she's too free spirited and she needs to be out in nature and singing, um, which in this particular convent, you can only sing at specific times in prayer. So she just needs to be out and like doing things and 
being active and she can't really the cloister isn't a very good fit for her but then and then also like as she goes to be a governess for the kids she's very motherly towards them i guess that's just like the best way to describe that um because she realizes that's what they need they need mm -hmm. that kind of affection yep they need to be loved they need to be uh treated with affection they and need to be shown kindness turns and, out that's kind of what she needed too mm -hmm. she needed she needed an outlet provide for that. her for her free-spiritedness for her creativity for mm -hmm. her musicalness um because another thing too like the nuns who are doing like the how do you solve a problem like maria like the the lyrics of that are something to the effect of like uh let's see how do you take a cloud and how do you solve a problem like maria how do you take a cloud and pin it down um and they're like how do you hold a moonbeam in your gown so it's like all these things where it's like she, she, her the beauty of her personality is just so hard to contain mm. like um so it's not really it, like even though they're they're kind of complaining a little bit they're recognizing like her good her qualities. qualities her good qualities need to be let out into but the, how do you let them out in this context mm -hmm. yeah so yeah she needs to be wild and free and sp spreading joy and she sort of wins over the heart of captain von trapp who um you know he's sort of trying to do a right by his kids. dodgy old boy yeah <laughs> well he's trying to do right by his kids in the only way he knows how from like his military background since he sort of lost his family mm -hmm. and the kids talk about how when their mother was alive he was um you know he was a much more joyful person. Like he would sing with the kids. He would do all sorts of things with them, play music and all that stuff. And then since there is uh since his wife died, he sort of lost that joy in himself. And Maria, um, not only like brings joy to the kids, but also reminds him of like what music means to him and sort of enables him to bring that joy back. So, um, Yeah. I guess so. Yeah, that 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 discernment process. Of, yeah, there's a bit uh, of that in Baron von Trapp too, because he realizes, okay, so because he's, he's got his mind set on a different, uh, like vocational yeah. path. Also, this this Baroness lady is more of a socialite type person, and since he's like kind of a a nobleman of sorts himself, he needs he's kind of looking to marry for status, but he realizes that Maria has a lot more of the qualities of a mother that the kids need. Um, and so he uh, kind of ends things with the Baroness and goes towards Maria instead. And he himself has sort of fallen for her and he doesn't really love the Baroness that much. Um, other, it, you know, it was sort of a marriage of, uh, you know, for status more than love. And so he realizes that he needs to marry somebody he can form a, a good, uh, form a holy union with, and then also somebody who's going to be a good mother for his kids. So, very cool stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess uh, goodness. Lot, um, it's a very wholesome movie. Yeah. It's, I don't know. That's probably the reason why the, uh, the homeschoolers all <laughs> watch like it. Yeah, it did. there's nothing objectionable about it. No, no. I mean even, even possibly the uh, the Julie Andrews's character even ditches the uh, 
the the convent at a time that's actually appropriate because she hasn't taken vows yet. Not because the convent is too oppressive for her, but it's like it, they're not. She's not a good fit for the convent. Yeah, and like, and that's shown in like a positive light. Like, it's like, sure, it's not for you, but you found something that is. Mm-hmm. It's like yep. that, that. That's the point of discernment. Mm-hmm. So, like, all the, the I like, I I miss. Uh, people respecting religion in movies mm-hmm. like again the, not to bring back the robin hood movie last <laughs> night but the entire villain's plot was all because church it's bad some corrupt cardinal or something it's like i i thought i thought king john was supposed to be the problem in the robin hood movies but right the sort and of wouldn't bordering on anti-catholic sentiments in movies and wouldn't they have been uh the the church of britain at that point anyway hadn't yeah, hadn't they already broken off from? No, not not oh, in the eleven hundreds. This oh, is okay. like this is like that was that was before. several centuries. Okay, prior. my yeah. my my history is is doo doo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this would have been I want to say okay, thirteen hundreds at the latest. Still inaccurate depiction. Yeah. But anyway, so like the the respect that. Mm-hmm religion and the church gets in that film and mm-hmm. in a lot of old films is just like i miss it yeah <laughs> yeah and uh but yeah the the nuns especially like any any movie with like a faithful depiction of nuns because nuns are just awesome oh yeah so they, they don't they don't only smack people with rulers no that doesn't happen like at all in this movie right <laughs> even even the nuns like who were sort of annoyed by maria still love her you know as a sister and are like super happy for her and supportive of her when she marries captain von trapp so um yeah even if you have people in your life that annoy you and do things that just kind of like why do you do this or why are you why are you like mm -hmm. this they still still gotta treat them with love and respect and And they even like put themselves potentially in harm's way to help her and her family escape right um so yeah that's that's a really good element um also just like uh, maria and her interactions with the kids like we talked about before very nurturing very loving and like sort of helps bring out the best in them Mm -hmm. and again she grows closer to the kids through teaching them music Mm -hmm. they grow re uh reestablish their relationship with their father through music how Mm -hmm. i feel like the, the way it treats music and the, the unifying aspect of music. At the end of the movie, they're singing Edelweiss. They unite their countrymen mm-hmm. with this with this shared by sharing a song. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an I think there's just something. I, th- I think there's an element of goodness there. I just that relates to me personally. I, I have a lot of personal experience with that. But mm-hmm. even just like if it's Christmas carols around the the thing or yeah. An out of tune happy birthday. Like music brings <laughs> so people many, together. <laughs> so many of those. I mean, for in our family, the uh, we've gotten slightly more in tune, but every time it just sounds like a bar song. <laughs> the way me and my brother sing it. Anyway, off topic. Uh, yeah, it was it was tangentially it was, yeah, related to the topic. Um, yeah, let's see, beauty. The music is you know one of the prominent features of the movie, but well, it's like a quarter of the title yeah the sound of music um the uh very beautifully shot too like this was um filmed in color excuse me in a lot of it was on location in austria so 
you got the mountains, you got the rolling countryside and the beautiful valleys and different things like that. It's just like a beautiful setting for the movie. And so like the, especially that opening scene where there's just a lot of like helicopter shots of the mountains and then it just sort of zooms in on um, the hills being alive, the hills being alive. And there's something about like scenes like that where it's just like, man, I'd love to go there and just like take off running through that grass. That would just be so much fun. Um, <laughs> gosh, I, I wonder how many people have like on their vacation or like trips to that part of the world have mm-hmm. recreated that scene on the same. I hill. imagine it's probably not that they, hard to do. They probably have that hill. Like you'd have to climb a mountain to do it, but right. But it's yeah. Like, I, I got to imagine that that was part of somebody's like uh, trip plans, mm-hmm. but so, it's sort of one of the underlying like I guess creative um, aspects of the movie is it sort of really brings together like this really wholesome combination of like music, natural beauty, and just sort of trying to find um, trying to find your way in God. I suppose. Like well, that that I feel like you're transitioning from from beauty into the unity there. Yes, that's actually that's true. It's very beautifully uh, filmed, uh, beautifully filmed. Great music, great acting. Um, Christopher Plummer, I forget if I said that, plays Captain Von Trapp, and then Julie Andrews. And I think the two of them were relatively unknown at the time. I think. Yeah, Julie Andrews had just got off of Mary Poppins. Yeah. Like, oh, that's that's the Mary Poppins lady. She's doing another song movie. Cool. Mm-hmm. And it's had a tremendous impact on cinema and culture ever since. So it's, oh, yeah. it's an icon. Um, I recommend watching it. It's uh, a little it's longer, long, but if you're down old, for that. A little slow burning, but. But then it's, it, it's it doesn't really get bogged down in anything. And so it's and overall good And slow down movie. and appreciate it. Yeah. I mean meet it on its level yeah i mean of all the old movies i've watched this one's one of the easier ones to watch in my opinion because like watching old movies is kind of like playing old games you appreciate them for what they are and what they were at the time right you gotta, but then there's a timelessness to the sound of music right because everything is so well done well, as all the best like, works of art have a timeless quality to them mm-hmm. yeah so i guess unity yeah the the uh uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The con... Cohesiveness? Co- what's that? Co- cohesion? Cohesion? The cohesion. Not the conflagration. That That's 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 fire. on fire. Um, that's fire. <laughs> a con- a congruence, the, the con- congregation, the confluence. Is that the right word? Of all like, yes. those factors. The like, coming how many more con of... words can we come up with? Convict, conjugation. <laughs> not, <laughs> con- <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go back to that. Uh... <laughs> We're not, we're not catching foxes. We don't get to throw flippant jokes like that out, <laughs> out of the blue. Um, we don't want to put an explicit rating next to our episode title on Spotify. We're only allowed one heck per episode for crying out loud, and I just <laughs> said it. Uh, <laughs> anyway. anyway. Yeah, that's the unity bit. We start, whatever, we, we right, how box it, checked. Yeah, box checked. We got the, 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 the beauty of nature, the beauty of the music, and how it all just kind of ties together and it's all like yeah beauty is the radiance of truth and goodness and truth and goodness abound in this film and the closer truth and goodness are the more united the beauty is and therefore it's easier to talk about those elements that's how it all comes together baby so i guess any comments from you riley i mean 
not having seen it, but like based off of our discussion, I guess. No, I think uh, everything that should have been said about it has been said, except for this. I remember you uh, <coughs> mentioned something about how the uh, it was all filmed on location, and all I have to say about that is that uh, the sound of music was filmed on location with the men and women of the Von Trapp. <laughs> <laughs> that that's my contribution to this podcast. The names to be fill or the names have been changed to protect the guilty. <laughs> but not, but not really. <laughs> but not really. Yeah, that's another one too. Like, uh, Dragnet, I think, is where like some of the like the real crime dramas started. It was anyway. like a radio show, wasn't it? It was, and then it was a TV show. Like a lot of stuff back in the day. Oh sure. So yeah, yeah. Taking a trip back in cinema history a bit, can definitely recommend watching uh, Sound of Music. That was kind of the other thing about this movie too. Was like, um. That was like one of the one one on one in interactions I've had with my grandma before she passed away was mm-hmm. watching sound of music in the dining room just by ourselves. <clears throat> it was really interesting. Huh. We were just sort of commenting about things we liked about the movie and I was like I don't know, twelve, thirteen, something like that. Um I was like sort of on the younger end of the grandkids, so sure, I didn't get to interact sure. with her as much as maybe some of the older ones did. And this was like not long before she had a stroke and stuff. So that it's kind of interesting. Like that'll always kind of stick in my in my head. My memory watching the sound of music with grandma in the dining room mm. on a tiny little TV. <laughs> so That's yeah, there's that. Um, if you have any size of screen attached to your computer, you can listen to our podcasts or even just on your phone, whatever. Um, and here's the bit where I actually do the outro. He's actually got it prepared this time. Yes. Thanks for, for listening. It's very clumsily prepared such that he has to pull it up before he actually does it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more prepared than I usually am. I wrote the notes for this one. We're working on it. We're getting there. Yeah, we're getting there. Bumpers coming up, ladies and gentlemen. Coming soon. soon, TM. They're coming along. Tell you what. Okay. Uh, any other comments from the people? Okay. Thanks for listening to The Palladium Papers. You can listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Palapapas. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or complaints, or suggestions for future episodes, email us at palladiumpapas at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, thank you for listening, and uh, we will catch you again next week. Bye now. So long. Farewell. I'll even say adieu. 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 Even though they're German, they wouldn't say Goodbye.